the great hopes that I had at the beginning of the summer when I took the fellowship to get on a pathway to be published, write my name down in this lab, to make great contributions to this field of physics. Welcome to Unlocking College Life, real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. We're joined by another incredible student today, Sammy, and we can't wait to hear a little bit about her story. So I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself, and then we'll dive in. Perfect. So I'm Sammy. I'm a senior at Yale, double majoring in physics and computer science, and originally from Massachusetts. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you with your super rich background. Where do we begin? I know there is presidential award in the picture here. I know you have played a leadership role with gymnastics at Yale. I know that you are leading efforts and participating in efforts for women in STEM at Yale. Please dive in. We would love to know and have our listeners learn a little bit more about your journey. How does one get here? Yeah, sure. So I guess a brief background. So I was lucky enough to go to a private school in Massachusetts, which afforded me a lot of different enriching experiences in high school, which I could take advantage of. And then somehow, to my shock, wound up at Yale. And like you said, I've gotten to explore a lot of different activities here from club gymnastics to the political union to the Women in Physics organization, a quantum computing club that we started. So yeah, it's been pretty amazing. And I'm going to add one more, which is actually how I found you is some fascinating research in behavioral neuroscience flies. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah, of course. So I really enjoyed getting involved in research at Yale. I started in a ultra-cold quantum matter lab in physics. And then, yes, as you noted, for the last couple of years, I've been working in a neuroscience lab under Damon Clark. It's mainly a fly lab where we do experiments about motion perception, depth perception, those type of vision-related topics. But more recently, I've started doing experiments with a virtual reality headset on humans instead, which I think is a little bit more exciting than working on flies. So Sammy, can you talk a little bit of, it sounds like you have like a lot of passion around it. That was awesome to just like hear how you started to get super excited. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been for you to be a woman in a field that's not always represented by lots of women and how that's sort of impacted your journey in college? Yeah, of course. So I'd say specifically for my majors, physics and computer science, they're not necessarily the most balanced gender-wise and I've been pretty aware of that. I would say some of the worst experiences I've had were before college, more in high school. I think we all know that high school kids can be mean. But since I've gotten to Yale, I've been able to contribute to and benefit from a lot of different communities of women supporting women in these ways. So I'd say that for me, it's been really beneficial, especially the Women in Physics program at Yale and helping to lead that initiative, connecting people with mentors. Say more about that. How did you find it? And what did it do for you sort of when you first found it? Yeah, of course. So the Women in Physics program at Yale 
is pretty much just what it's called. It's all of the women majoring in physics, which is a surprisingly small group, but we all automatically get invited to this club. And it's really special. We get to host study halls every week where undergraduates can connect with grad students. We host talks and discussions with professors. And two years ago, I actually got to host this big conference for undergraduate women in physics at Yale. The most women in physics I'd ever seen in one room. So I think what I hear a lot from students is kind of the balance between their passion and wanting to succeed and following those paths and then also kind of navigating the parts that can be challenging too, overwhelm and dealing with high expectations of yourself and maybe from others too. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about that. On the sort of balance between trying to do everything at the same time, not get overwhelmed by it. That was definitely a huge transition that I had to face going into college. You know, in high school, I could sign up for everything, all of the extracurricular activities, and they would all fit neatly into a schedule and be super feasible. But when I got to Yale, all of a sudden, I could sign up for everything, and then everything conflicted with each other, and I didn't have a lot of time. So I think for me, it was pretty hard to learn how to say no to new opportunities. And that was definitely something that I struggled with at first, especially my first year. But as I've gone further, I've been able to really focus in on what I care about and be okay with letting other opportunities pass me by. I'm wondering if you, I mean, I would imagine that some of that has to do, I think that when you start undergrad, there are a lot of prerequisites and all of that. It's sort of I think it can be easy to get pulled many different directions and then there are all these other clubs and activities and roles. I am curious though that aside from that funnel sort of narrowing toward our focus the further we go, if there was anything else that sort of helped you figure out how to funnel that, how to narrow that, how to focus it. Definitely my mentors. I have had an amazing academic advisor, Steve Gervin, who has been super helpful in narrowing my focus. I also have an older sister who also studied STEM in college that was able to give advice. And then like a strong network of friends that aren't afraid to take you aside and say like, Sammy, you're doing too much. Let's have like a quiet night in, not study. Maybe talk a little bit more about friendships and connection in college, because that's another thing that we really try and focus on is how did you find your people? And how did you know? I don't know who was the authentic connections versus the surfacey ones. For sure. So to start, I guess the idea of finding my people, my group, it was definitely a new thing coming to Yale and being able to find, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of other girls like me that love building things and programming and studying physics. That's a kind of a community that I didn't really get to connect to before Yale and honestly like kind of only existed in theory or in my mind so that was pretty amazing and a lot of the close bonds that I formed were actually through my classes and extracurriculars through my like stressful times and struggles the people that you'll turn to that will help you finish the p-set or tell you that you should just drop it those were the people that I was able to get close to and it was really cool to connect with 
people like me about my passion. We have had and have some students coming up that have been guests as well who have spoken about some of these smaller communities and how that can be, whether it's athletics or other domains, and how that can be sort of an automatic support system, but also potentially challenging system because there is sometimes competition. And so to follow up even on Joy's question, sort of how do you then select people from that? And maybe you didn't encounter sort of two sides of this coin within somewhat smaller group of students, but I am curious about that. And then I have a follow-up question with regard to some of your friends sort of calling you out when you were maybe spread too thin or doing too many things. And what did they see? How did they know? And did they know maybe before you even did yourself? So I guess on that first question, which is trying to balance having friends with the same passions while also not having a lot of competitiveness within friend groups, I think that's something that I worried about a lot at first as I was starting to make these types of connections that I hadn't had in my life before. But I think that I realized that most of the competitiveness that I perceived was really just coming from my own head and the intimidation that I felt all of a sudden being at an Ivy League school and seeing all these incredible people around me. I kind of projected this idea that they like wanted to compete with me and were like going to do better than me at everything. And I think that just by opening up to people and letting them open up to me as well, I kind of realized that most of us were feeling that way and we ended up doing a lot better when we would just help each other get opportunities, give each other referrals. And luckily there hasn't been a lot of tension on that front recently. To be fair also, the people who come to a liberal arts college to study physics tend to be people that really value communication and community and not necessarily the most competitive subsection. I then wonder, back to my other question, it sounds like that you found a way to be really vulnerable and that strengthened your connections. And I wonder then if that actually is what allowed for your friends to be the needed support system, but also challenger when they saw you, let's say, spread too thin or sort of being that voice of reason. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, I can remember doing my first physics laboratory class where we had to do these long write-ups using LaTeX and being at the, my residential college library at 2 a.m. trying to finish it in time. And a friend from the class just showed up and got me like chocolate from a convenience store and said it was time to call it. That was spot on. I was even talking with a student today about not having enough time for insert whatever the thing is. In my case, it's often about well-being. It's I get I'm here at college for the academics and I love what I do and I want to succeed. And then sometimes what falls off is the taking care of myself part because we don't get credit for that in the same way. And so I'm wondering, sort of going off of what you're saying, it's like sometimes you almost need someone else to say, wait, let's take a break. But how do you prioritize the things that you might not get credit for, but that help you to be successful? Another amazing question. How do I tell when I'm getting off balance and refocus? I would say that I guess going back to the previous question, it's when I start to notice even unrelated aspects of my life starting to get affected or starting to get friction. You know, if I find myself eating microwavable ramen more than five times in a week, maybe it's time to take a step back and think about what's on my plate and what's falling where and if maybe that should change. I just cannot help myself and I would really love to know, you know, a little bit more about your background in gymnastics and how that 
did or did not prepare you for college or how that plays out in your life today and your academic success and life in general. What did you learn in gymnastics or continue to learn in gymnastics that is helpful these days? Yeah, so I actually started doing gymnastics when I was quite small, but around age 11 transitioned into training on the flying trapeze, which is a circus act with swinging bars. Uh, Not sure if you're familiar, but that was a super thrilling experience for me and also an opportunity to connect with people of all different ages and backgrounds that definitely was helpful for college. Actually, I even got one of my trapeze instructors along with my sister to fly wearing an accelerometer and we could map like the physics and kinematics of his of his movements on the flying trapeze. So it definitely kind of came full circle. And that gymnastics you see that I do in college, it's just on our club team that a lot of us do just for fun. It's very informal, but it's really cool to have a place to just decompress and also have those memories of getting to train on the flying trapeze, which I hope to get back to soon. I cannot imagine. What a rush, what an experience really putting yourself out there. No, it's phenomenal. Highly recommend anyone who hasn't tried it, jumping off like a three-story high platform or however tall it is and just letting yourself fly through the air. Nothing will pull you out of your mind and back in your body as quickly. That's exactly where my mind went. What would clear your mind better than something like that? Obviously doing it safely, but wow. Well, you may not even realize, or maybe you do, the mental health benefits of that for you in balancing all of the other things you're doing. I don't know. Are you aware of that? I had no idea, but I definitely believe it. I don't think I ever like feel as calm and focused as after flying through the air for a couple hours. Maybe it would be helpful to our listeners if you talked sort of more things were hard and you had to learn from it. Can you actually think of a time in the past where things didn't go well, or you got overextended, or you had a perceived failure that you learned from? Because I think sometimes specifics can be helpful for folks to relate to. So the experience that comes to mind was actually the summer after my first year of college, where I applied to this first year summer research fellowship where I could stay in New Haven for the summer, work on nothing but physics research, from like nine to five, five days a week. And I was super thrilled about this opportunity. I was working in Yale's ultra cold quantum matter lab, which is a physics lab that works on creating Bose-Einstein condensates. But when I actually arrived there for the summer for the fellowship in living alone in my studio apartment in New Haven, working on a project alone in this lab that I was vastly not academically prepared to participate in working on this project you know every day in a basement lab in a windowless room i realized that the great hopes that i had at the beginning of the summer when i took the fellowship to get on a pathway to be published to like write my name down in this lab to make great contributions to this field of physics i realized that that wasn't realistically something that i could achieve that summer I ended up having a lot of trouble managing to even like get the academic background to start on the project that I had been planning to do. And pretty soon I got into a pretty 
difficult and stressful place where I didn't feel like I could contribute anything. I didn't feel like I could connect with these grad students in my lab that had been studying physics 10 years longer than me. And I got to feel pretty isolated and like there wasn't much I could contribute. Where does it go from there? How did you, how did you navigate? Because I would imagine that at that point, folks could feel stuck, folks could run away. What did you do with it? Yeah, of course. So I think what I needed was a huge reframe in my perspective. And I wasn't going to gain that alone in my studio apartment or working on my independent project in lab. So I really went out of my way to try to reach out and connect with other people that maybe had more experience than me and could give the perspective that I so desperately needed. I ended up actually sitting in on these graduate woman in physics lunches that happened every week. Probably was not allowed to show up as an undergrad, but I did anyway. And even just that, getting to hear about the, the struggles that these women that had been working in their field so much longer than me were having and kind of <laughs> expanding my viewpoint uh, beyond my small lab and my pretty extreme dreams to make a contribution as an 18-year-old really helped me to, to refocus and... Would you say so, you know, I heard different layers of your struggle, right? Sort of perhaps feeling isolated, basement, no windows, like there are layer after layer after layer, but also this idea, I'm an undergrad, I haven't done this, you know, 10 years longer, like you all, I don't have anything to contribute. It sounds like after attending these luncheons, and you said that, right, there was a change in perspective. Was that enough for you to then feel like you are contributing and that you can still have a valuable experience? I would say it was definitely enough to turn that summer into a good learning experience for me. Definitely wasn't enough for me to all of a sudden feel like I was making these giant leaps and bounds of discovery that I thought I would be because I ultimately realized that that wasn't in the books for me that summer. It helped me think of it as more of a learning experience and a place to build skills versus a place to like make the next big physics discovery. So I'm wondering, do you feel like that had something to do also with your expectations? Because I'm assuming, I'm, I'm hoping someone interviewed you. Somehow you got there. Somehow someone felt you are good enough. Of course, I'm still super grateful for the experience. And I think it was more on me of not having the experience or the frame of reference to know what's realistic for a first year undergraduate to do and less on the program. The program was super broad. It basically just gives funding to, to a first year that wants to do research. So they just kind of saw my passion and were like, we'll fund you here, go for it. And it was really up to me to then take a step back and realize what was possible. Well, and it sounded like once you joined those lunches, not only did you just get to hear from folks who were farther along, but you, it also sounded like it made you feel not alone. Like, okay, this doesn't happen to just first year students. And I'm wondering now, how are you though, like that person for other first year students? Now, maybe like, I, I wonder if your story is really helpful to, for, to the, the new people coming in. Yeah, so I'm pretty involved in the Women in Physics program at Yale, 
which kind of gives me the opportunity to connect with other women in physics from first year undergrads all the way up to PhD students and even professors. And I think that through that, I've been very open about the aspects of the physics curriculum and the physics research that I've struggled with. And I really hope that the under that the lower classmen students there can hear that. And I've also definitely given advice to some younger women interested in the physics major on like how to look at fellowships and look at research opportunities and try to help give them some of the expectations that I maybe didn't have. Well, and something you said before too also struck me, this was earlier when you said the barriers were actually just in your head. It wasn't, they weren't that they were actually like structural. Um, and this sounds a little bit like that too. I mean, in some ways I, I hear you saying that you literally didn't have like some of the academic background, but, but I also think that's sort of wrapped up in expectations too, right? Is that we have expectations about things and then sometimes our limitations are in our head, but also what we think is going to happen is also in our head. And so it frames like almost a setup. I definitely agree. I think that it was very much self-imposed, right? Like I defined what success would be that summer. I defined what failure would be that summer. Initially, I definitely fell within the failure category. But what turned the summer into a success and into a learning experience was being able to change my, my views on that and redefine where to draw the line between those categories. Yeah, and I, you know, I look at it even from a sort of a developmental standpoint, like this is after your first year of college, right? Like at that point, you still don't know a lot of what you know today. Obviously, you learn so much. And I'm sure that next time you were interviewing for any kind of an internship or fellowship or whatnot, that you were probably asking different questions. And maybe it is on my radar, even from our previous guest, you know, that sometimes there's just a lack of scaffolding or you feel like maybe there should have been more information. And yes, you had your own expectations and define your own success, but it still makes me wonder, could there have been better support for someone like you coming in? I mean, I definitely agree. There could have been different pathways or maybe I would have been invited to a, a woman in physics lunch from the beginning and that would have been super helpful especially with other undergrads yeah i've definitely experienced that there's a lot of times that you kind of have to stand up and ask for those things like tell a professor or the principal investigator of your lab like no i can't do that or like i won't be able to finish that this week i'm grateful yeah. for the scaffolding that is here like even having yeah. research funding for first years is pretty amazing. But I definitely agree that there could totally be other things in place. Maybe I should propose that. Yeah. And I think, you know, right when we are paying it forward, that's something to keep in mind. We pay forward what maybe wasn't available for us, or maybe others didn't think about. Uh, so this is not to sort of blame anyone, right? Sometimes folks just have blind spots about any missing piece of this. Sometimes you have to challenge things or ask questions, that's really hard for a lot of students. It seems like potentially it comes more naturally to you, but maybe not. And so I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about like what advice you'd give to students who really hesitate hard to do that, even though usually the benefits are huge. No, that definitely has not always been easy for me. That's something that the older students in 
especially that woman in physics organization really stressed to me and something that now I try to stress to the to the students coming in. But I think that my advice is it's going to be really hard, um, but I kind of trick my mind by just automatically assuming that everyone is out there wants to help me that my professor wants me to get a good grade, wants me to do well in the lab, wants me to get a, like get any opportunity I want, get published if I want. And usually that's the case, sometimes it's not, but just constantly telling yourself that it's true for me made it a lot easier to reach out or ask for accommodations or help. I really, really love that. Uh, we actually hear even from PhD students, right, who obviously have been around the block for a long time, even being afraid to approach their advisor, even with regard to their progress, how am I doing, right? So, and, and some of us operate very autonomously and don't need much uh, management or sort of uh, checkbacks and all of that, but some students really benefit from having a pretty clear path, pretty clear markers of progress, and we still find it. Again, even with graduate students, sometimes afraid to ask for that or set boundaries and some of these environments will not set those boundaries for you. I definitely agree. It, I'm definitely not one of those people that can work completely autonomously and set all of my own goals and know what I need to get done. I think that just like I said, asking for things and also it's been really hard for me to be honest when I do miss a deadline or not make the progress that I wanted to be able to just go up to the leader of my lab and say, like, I wasn't able to get any results this week. And that's another thing that's super hard, but again, really helpful when you require guidance. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sammy. It's been so great to talk with you today and we will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. 